Isn't that awesome? That's, that's really, um, that's just a testimony not to us. That's really a testimony to God and his faithfulness. Um, and, and, you know, at our first service, we had our six-year-old at the time in the hospital. And so there was not much that my wife and I could do. And, and the congregation, the body of Christ stepped up. And uh, so it is a praise to God. And, and today, it really, it fits the narrative of scripture that we're looking at today. It's called Renewal. Um, and it's renewal, and so I called it Renewal Sunday. It's a day of celebration, hence cake, praising God, and commitment. And so one of the things that absolutely signifies commitment is baptism. And so, um, and then we'll dismiss kids. So we wanted to let the, the kids see that, though. So if the praise could come up, and Jenny, your sponsor, um, to the uh, baptism font. Now, baptism, in especially for us in the... In the Covenant Church, we celebrate uh, both and affirm both infant baptism and believer baptism. And some people are confused by that. Some people are saying, like, what is baptism? What does it mean? Why do we do it? Well, one of the reasons we do that, and I'll keep it short, is number one, Christ did it um, and tells us to do it. And number two, it's, it's one of those things that we believe are sacred. Now, in, in saying sacred, what we mean is it's a significant event. It's a special thing. And we believe that that in some, some way that God is, is present. Now, we believe that God is always present, but in this moment of baptism, that God is especially present. And he is present at, at an infant baptism because of the commitment of the believing parents, of this divine initiative of God's grace coming before that child accepts Christ, not saving Jocelyn, not um, bringing her into the kingdom of God, but coming before her to lead her to a place where she'll one day accept Christ. And then we also affirm believer baptism because, because we believe that, that when someone puts away their old ways and trusts Christ for their salvation, that in that same moment of going under the water of baptism and coming up, they're showing that they're a new creation in Christ. So the saving act of faith comes through a commitment to Jesus Christ in either way. And so today... We're doing an infant baptism. Jocelyn's a little bit older than that, but, uh, but that's okay. This is, again, a very appropriate thing because um, they had her dedicated, and then over the course of these last two years, uh, they really felt like they wanted to have her baptized. They, they wanted to make this stand of faith that they're believers, that they're walking with Jesus, and they want to bring her into the faith. And not only that, they wanted to say to you, Restoration, will you also help bring Jocelyn into the faith? And so that's what we're doing today. And so today, Chris and Elizabeth, you want to bring Jocelyn to the church for this sacred moment of baptism. And so we rejoice in that, and that's a good thing. And God has called us into his covenant to say, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And so today, we bring her to the water. So a couple questions for us today. Number one, they're not hard questions. You can answer with, we do. That's the answer, just so you know. It's still giving you the test questions, but don't lie. Number one, Chris and Elizabeth, do you desire that Jocelyn be baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit? If so, answer, I do, or we do. Now, proclaiming this covenant, this promise with Jesus, do you decide to renounce where, you, where you've been 
in the opposite of Jesus and live a life towards Jesus? If so, answer, we do. Relying on God's grace, do you promise to teach Jocelyn the word of God? Do you promise to raise her around a community of people that know Jesus so that one day she will accept him? If so, answer, we do. Now, empowered by the Spirit of God, do you promise to enable Jocelyn to participate into the life of the church in the fullest way possible? If so, answer, we do. Now, for you, Jenny, as a sponsor, as a godparent, and to us as a church, this is a question for us. Do you promise to pray for, support, and encourage not only Jocelyn, but also Chris and Elizabeth as they try to do their best job with God's grace to raise her that one day she might take Jesus Christ as her Savior? If so, answer, we do, and we do. Awesome. All right. Now I get to hold you. Will you hold me? Did you want um, did you want a little bit of water or a big pour? Little water. Okay. All right. Jocelyn Elizabeth Frey, based on your parents' testimony of wanting to follow Jesus and to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jocelyn Elizabeth Frey, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Um, God, I thank you that you're always present, but I thank you for sacred moments like now um, where we can show um, with this external sign of water, um, God, that your grace comes down on us and your grace is down on Jocelyn, um, that, that you will be at work in her life, um, that you desire that she one day accepts you. Um, so we pray that she would grow in stature and in wisdom. We pray that she would grow... Um, towards the things of you, God. We pray that you'd make her heart so large to care about things that you care about, that you make her mind wise to discern between good and evil. God, that she will choose you. Um, and we um, promise and we commit ourselves to you, God, um, to help this family, to be in community with this family, to encourage this family, to exhort this family if we need to, um, so that she might see the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Should we welcome Jocelyn formally into the Covenant community today through a round of applause? Can you wave to everyone? No? You don't want to wave? No? Okay. You can have your mom back. There you go. And if you're uh, third grade and under, you're dismissed at this time. So, that was fun. Uh, and FYI, if you... Uh, if you would like to dedicate your child to the Lord because you want to uh, ba have them baptized as a believer, as an adult, or as a young adult, um, we'll be doing baby dedications on May 8th. So um, just check your calendar for that. And then we'll figure out when to do believer baptisms when you have um, decided to follow Christ and you want to respond to that through the larger waters of baptism. We just have to figure out how to get water in here and not lose our rent. So um, so this whole series has been this idea of being all in, fierce follow-through. Um, we've been going through the book of Joshua as the people of God have decided to step into or jump into what it means to trust God. And uh, as we've looked at this, um, as I've reflected on it, uh, I, I've really 
come to realize that deciding to be all in was a lot easier as a kid. Like, I just signed up my, my four, all my kids for track, and it's like a seven-week season. I love it because I get to coach them. <laughs> it's one practice a week and six meets. And I'm like, okay, then you're done. And so at week five, when they start complaining, I'm like, you committed to this. You are all in. You have two more weeks left. <laughs> you know, and, and then uh, all in for me as a kid usually meant having to decide between, like, going to the pool or going to the golf course because I couldn't do both. Um, when I was a little bit older, deciding to be all in was showing up for sports practices every time, on time, and usually, well, if I could get a date, only dating one girl at a time. That's what it meant to be all in when I got a little bit older. But as I got even older than that, um, being committed or following through or being all in, as we've called it, um, has gotten harder. I remember sitting across the table from a car salesman with the finance guy saying, you just need to sign right here. You really, don't you want to buy this car? And thinking, I don't have the money to buy this car, but wanting the car, and then feeling, well, car sales is just tough. We don't want to pick on the car salesmen, but you know, you just ever, even when you leave with the car, you're like, oh, could I have gotten it for a little bit cheaper? It's, it's hard, but it, it's nothing like sitting across from the bank buying your first home. If you've been through that experience where they're like, just put these tens of thousands of dollars cash down um, and then sign your life away for these hundreds of thousands of dollars that, you know, will be paid off in 30 years, you know, and, and he's bringing it across the table and he's like, just, just sign here. Well, then here and here and here and here. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, but there's like these four pages of really fine print. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's standard. That just means we'll come after you for everything you have if you don't pay. So all in meant a little bit more, but I think the biggest all in, uh, as I reflected on it, is is a wedding. Now, there's not hundreds of thousands of dollars that go like, well, there could be, but that go towards that like a house. But in a wedding, you've got, you've got these people that are all there, and I've done about a dozen where I've had the best spot in the house, like right here between the groom and the bride. I wasn't sure. And so I got a great seat, and they're like, okay, what are you nervous for? You know, here's how the service is going to go. They're like, yeah, 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 the vows. I'm freaking out about the vows. Why? The vows are the best part. Um, well, because you're going to stand across this person, and, and you're going to hear, do you give yourself completely to this bride forever and ever and ever? And, and they're not looking for, I think so, uh, I hope so, or, well, till it's convenient. Uh, they're looking for, I'm all in. Yes, absolutely. And I think that just like at a wedding, we'd be shocked if the person said, well, I want to be like halfway. I think God is the same way. He's saying, we step all in. He doesn't say it vindictively. He doesn't say it from this mighty high place. But he says it, I believe, from the same place of love, the same place of wedding vows, of saying, will you say I do? Will you jump in? And so what does it look like in our lives, especially if we've messed up or broken commitments? What does it really look like to follow through? Because that's where the people of God are at. So if you're 
I'm going to follow along in a Bible. We're in Joshua, and we're going to go to chapter 8. And then we're going to go through the whole rest of it in like 12 minutes. It's going to be awesome. But in Joshua chapter 8, that's exactly where the people are that we've been looking at for the last two months. The people of God have been in this waiting period for 40 years in the desert because they wouldn't step all in. And so they waited around until this generation died. And then they got a new leader, and Joshua's kind of freaking out because Moses was this amazing leader. And God says, you know what? Be strong, courageous. I'm with you. Just be all in. You know what? And Joshua listened. He was all in. But the people, it took a little bit longer. In fact, there are like five chapters of this 24-chapter book that are all about preparation, that are all about deciding to be all in. And so we see that. We went through those things. And then in chapter 6, we get to this battle. This, it's not really a battle. It's more like marching around a city. It's more like a parade than a battle. Um, and these people decide, okay, we're going to do it. We're, we've, we've taken this time to prepare, and we're going to step in to what it means to follow God, what it means to be all in. And so if God says march around a city, we're going to march around a city. Um, but even in the midst of that, and God gave them that, they had this one guy that we looked at last week, this one guy that said, you know what? I'll be mostly in, but I won't be all in. I'll be mostly in, but you know what? There's some silver and some gold that I'd really like to keep for myself, and maybe you won't miss it. And so, and so God said, that's not okay. And Achan suffered, his family suffered, and the community suffered. But in the beginning of Joshua chapter 8, after the suffering and after this tragedy and after this, they went to go take a city and, and they were defeated because Achan, one guy, wasn't all in. And so God appears to Joshua at the beginning of Joshua chapter 8 and he says, have courage. Like, you've recommitted, you're all in, I'm with you. And so we see then God give them that city. And at the end of giving them that city, in Joshua chapter 8, verses 30 through 34, where we're going to, they do something that I want to hone in on here. It says in verse 30, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. He followed the commands that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had written in the book of instruction, or the book of the law, that said, make me an altar from stones that are uncut and that, that have not been shaped with iron tools. Then on the altar they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And the Israelites watched, and Joshua copied onto the stones of the altar the instructions Moses had given. Then all the Israelites, the foreigners and native-born alike, along with the elders, officers, and judges, were divided into two groups. One group stood on Mount Gerizim, and the other group on Mount Ebal. Each group faced each other, and between them stood the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant. All this was done according to the commands of Moses, the servant of the Lord, who had previously given for, been previously given for the blessing of the people. And then Moses read to them all the blessings and curses that Moses had written into the book of instruction. Okay? It's kind of a lot right there. But what they're saying is they're renewing their covenant. Um, this isn't stones of remembrance. We talked about that. Like God did this amazing thing, and they put up these stones to remember how God had showed up. This is different. This is more like renewing your wedding vows. 
Like the people had messed up and then they had, they had turned, they had changed their ways, they had repented, I guess you could say. And so now God had stepped back in, they had stepped back in, and so now they're doing this renewal. And it's very formal and so we wanted to walk through it and they had to stand on one side and the other side they had to have the ark which was the presence of the Lord that was there. They had to read all the instructions, which if you go back into Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, all these long, arduous books that it takes to read that are like, okay, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this. They had to just kind of sit and go, okay, let's listen. And Joshua went through that all because it was a covenant renewal. They were recommitting themselves and building an altar and sacrificing an animal to say, you know what, God? We messed up, but we're all in again. We're all in. And that's why, like, I really love weddings. I do. Um, and I love wedding vows. But I'm in this new place now where I have such a deep appreciation for a renewal of vows ceremony. I used to scoff at them and be like, you know, if you would just kept your vows the first time, you wouldn't have to do this. And then I was married for, like, more than a couple years and I realized, oh, man, I just stink at keeping my vows. Um, and it's hard. And then I look at these people, and, and I go, you know, when, when these people that have been through more than a couple years of marriage and have been through something that's usually major, and maybe they've not been able to commit all in, and they've messed up, they know what they're getting into, don't they? And so they stand up there, and you know the past, and they know the future, and they're still deciding to be all in. Maybe in your life, there's something that you haven't followed through on. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe it's, maybe it's just something you said you'd do, and you didn't do. And so what do you do in that moment? Do you sit and do wallow in guilt? Do you... Do you become really bitter and angry and make excuses for yourself or for the other person or blame somebody else? Or do you do what the people of God did? The people of God just renewed their covenant. They renewed their, they reestablished their relationship with God. And when God did that, or when they did that, then God gave them a fresh start and a new energy to follow through. And so the next couple chapters, it's 24 chapter book, Three of the chapters are about war or battle, 8, 10, and 11. And then the rest of the story is God showing up. And then we have these, this list from Joshua 13 all the way to Joshua 21 where God says, okay, and these people, this tribe, you get this land. And it's going to be marked off here and here. And it goes through in great detail all the places that these people were supposed to live, like a surveyor, you know, coming out to a piece of property. And this tribe, you're going to live over here, and this is where you get, and this is how much you get, and this is what you can do. And, and you, you just, it's, it's a fun read. No, it's not. Um, but it's very important if it's so, like I used to think, if it's so boring, why is it in there? Well, the reason it's in there is in Joshua 21. And these are like, these are kind of the linchpin verses for Joshua. Um, verses 43 through 45. He goes through verse after verse after verse after verse 
of these tribes, these family members, these clans of people. You're going to live here. 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 And on and on, like I'm doing now, and on. And the reason is in these verses right here. It says, so the Lord gave to Israel, this nation, all the land that he had promised to give their ancestors. And they took possession and they settled there. The Lord gave them rest or peace on every side, just as he had promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one, I'll say that again, not a single one of the promises, the good promises the Lord had given were left unfulfilled. He had done everything he had promised. This is like gigantic. This is huge. The reason that he goes through, I mean, the reason half the, cha- half the book is just, you go live here, and you go live here, and you go live here. Not war and conquest and things like that. I mean, it's a theme, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is right here. God fulfilled his promises. Do you need to hear that in your life today? Because I needed to hear it when I was preparing. That God keeps and fulfills his promises. He promised to give this people this land. He promised to send a Messiah, and Jesus shows up on the scene. He promised to be with us when things are really hard. And maybe you need to hear that today. And I don't need you to just nod and smile. If you can't, if you can't be in a place where, where you think God keeps his promises, don't give me an amen. But if you can, it's a perfect time to go amen when God keeps his promises. Amen? Um, this isn't the place of the stone of remembrance. The slideshow is kind of our virtual way to do a stones of remembrance of this is when God showed up. When we had this little tiny trailer for this little tiny garage sale, and it just kept getting filled and filled with clothes. It was like, it was like the loaves and fishes of the New Testament story of Jesus multiplying, like the whole room filled with clothes. It was just amazing. We had no idea that, that these 60 people that were in our church on August 21st could fill that place up. God did that. That's a stones of remembrance. But, but this, this is a covenant renewal. This is saying, you know, even when we mess up, even when we can't follow through, even when we can't keep our promises, God still keeps his promises. And so we go to the end of the book, and we see how the people respond. In Joshua 24, this is his farewell address, and now he is saying, look here, um, Joshua brought all the tribes in chapter 24. All the tribes, all the people, millions of people, and they gathered at Shechem. And if that doesn't ring a bell, Shechem is the place that that Abraham, who was kind of the first guy, he was the guy that that God made a a promise to and said, you're going to be my people. I don't have any kids. I know, but you will, and your family will be my people. And he went into this land, and he lived in this land as a foreigner, and he lived a, a right life, and this is where he was died and buried, in Shechem. This is a big deal. And so all the leaders came, and they presented themselves to God. Now this, this whole thing takes a really formal ancient Near Eastern treaty document idea, and if that fascinates you, we can talk about it after. Um, but if you're like, what is an ancient Near Eastern vassal treaty? Don't worry. It just meant that they were familiar with what Joshua was going to say. 
because basically Joshua was going to say, hey guys, this is who God is. He's our king, and these are the things that he's done for us, and so how are we going to respond? Are we going to be loyal to him? And here's the bad stuff that happens if you're not loyal to him. And so the whole chapter kind of runs through that. Dear God, here's the great things that you've done, God. We're going to choose to be loyal to you, and here's what's going to happen if we're not loyal to you. And so in that moment where he's talking about, are you going to be loyal to God, he says this in verses 14 and 15. He says, People fear the Lord and serve God wholeheartedly. Put away forever your idols that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve God alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today, or choose this day, whom you will serve. Would you prefer to serve the gods of your ancestors? Would you prefer to serve the God of the Amorites, the people who were living in this place before we came? Or do you choose to serve God? But for me, for my family, or as some texts say, for my house, same thing, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua is making that statement. Joshua has made that statement throughout his whole life, but the people, they were fickle. They, they changed their minds. They couldn't commit. They tried to follow through. They didn't always follow through, and yet God was still faithful, and God still kept his promises. And so this reestablishing or this renewing of the covenant is really like renewal of wedding vows. It's saying, even though I've messed up in the past, I'm choosing to make this commitment. And I used to think that, you know, you didn't, have to, you didn't have to recommit your life over and over and over to God. You know what I realized? I have to recommit my life every day to God. Every day I have to say, hey God, I know that in this world, especially in our world, you know, where, where I have a credit card and so I don't have to trust God because I can just charge it sometimes, um, and, and I can be in control of a lot of things in my life. I can choose my television channels. I can choose what temperature my house is at. I mean, I can be in control of a lot of things. And every day I've got to say, you're in control. Not because I can't, not because I'm not strong, not because I need religion as a crutch, but because you're the living God who knows what's best for me. And so today I choose to listen to you and follow you. I have to do that every day. And this is what a recommitment is. This is what a renewal is. And maybe you need to do that today. Maybe today you have to say, you know what? I need to recommit my life to you, God, because you're not Lord. You're not number one. You're actually like 14 on my list. Or you're seven on my list. Or you're four on my list. But this, this, and this comes before you. And I just have to say I'm sorry and step into that commitment. Chris and Liz... They stood up here and they made a commitment before you. That was a big deal. They could have just said, you know, we'll just try and raise her and if, like, she messes up, we'll just kind of hide in the shadows of the church so that nobody knows. But no, they stood in front of you and they said, you know what? We are committing this day, Jocelyn, to you, God, and to us to help her. That's a big deal. Um, as we decide to be a c people who follow Jesus, what does recommitment mean? Maybe it means you have to recommit your life to God today. Maybe it means you're going to commit your life to some of these, not your life, you're going to commit some of your time to grand opening things um, that are on those yellow sheets. Um, maybe it means you're going to commit some finances to restoration. We're doing pretty okay. 
as a church. It takes money to, to rent this building and to do these things, and we're doing okay. But even though there's snow outside and it's like below zero or below freezing, <sighs> um, summer's going to come soon in a few months or July 15th. But whenever it comes, I know that you'll try and squeeze, and it's okay, you'll try and squeeze like nine months of fun into six to nine weeks of summer. And I'm not like saying that's a problem. What I am finding out in my own life is when I'm absent from the body, sometimes I'm not committing myself to God's work. Sometimes I'm not committing myself financially. So if you're a guest today and you want to give, you can give if it's part of worship. But if you're here, it's for you to say, maybe you'd want to consider like committing to a regular giving time so that through the summer, we can do what we need to do. Um, we have some fun initiatives, some missional initiatives that we want to do for families and kids this summer, um, and it takes money to do those things. So maybe that's what commitment looks like to you. Maybe commitment looks like joining a ministry team. Maybe commitment looks like joining a life group. We had ours yesterday. We met three times, and I love it. But when you're in a life group, you have to, like, people know if you're lying, or at least they know if I'm lying. Um, and so it's one thing to stand up here before all of you and, and talk about the word of God, but it's another thing to be in this circle in my living room going, you know, this is where, where God's word hit me, and it's really hard to follow today. And they look at it, and they see the reaction, and they see my wife going, so man. <laughs> So maybe that's what it means for you. But I think this idea of commitment isn't a guilt thing. It isn't uh, you've been bad. I want you to hear today that God always is faithful, even when we're not faithful. And he's always fulfilling his promises, even when we don't want to fulfill our promises. And that should give us encouragement and strength to know when we do step into that renewal, that he gives us that fresh strength, that he gives us that peace that we can step back into that relationship with God and find out that he hasn't even moved, that his attitude towards us hasn't even changed. It's us who's changed, and we just are deciding again. And so if you want to do that today, um, we're going to close with a song and prayer right now. So if you'd pray with me, God, thank you, God, for keeping your promises to us. Thank you for being faithful even when we're not faithful. Thank you for for stories that, that seem to make no sense to our own lives when we first look at them and then realize, like even in Joshua, even in this 3,000-year-old book, that, that this idea of renewing ourselves to you is still true today. So God, we do. We renew ourselves to you as a community. We renew ourselves to you as Restoration Church. Um, God, but, but we renew ourselves individually. God, so if there's people that need to say that today, I pray that, that, that you would hear them, that they'd know you'd hear them, that we don't trust in our credit card, that we don't trust in somebody else, that we don't trust in our jobs, but we trust in you. Be first in our life, God. Help us to live in the light and the love of you, Jesus, in, in your name. Amen. All right, let's stand.